Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it is free to play. DraftKings free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Cast, episode 616. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs founder Michael DeLeon. In this episode, Mike and I will discuss the latest reports of Becky Hammond and Brent Berry being considered for head coaching positions, the Spurs' interest in Kelly Oubre Jr., and no Spurs players making the all-defensive teams. Let's go to get started with this episode. Mike, how have you been? Well, I mean, today it seems like everybody's either getting injured or getting fired, and I've been neither of those things, so I guess it's, it's been a good day so far. Yeah, man, it's it's been a crazy. You and I are recording this on a Wednesday, um, you know, just to give listeners a note here. And yeah, it's been a wild day with just all, like you said, all the injuries and, and the head coaching departures and just all this this crazy news that's going all over the place. Today's been been a wild day. Um, uh, I don't think did, did you ever watch Game of Thrones or not? Game yeah, of- I did. You did okay, okay. So, uh, so, so that guy who's really funny on on, on Twitter um, network, he had put a, a picture of, of the red wedding episode basically <laughs> on there. Yeah, and, and about the NBA's day today because that's basically what it's been. It's just that's, been crazy. That's it. Yep. Yeah. So that was I retweeted that earlier. That was just it's, it's just kind of day it's been. All right. So, so this should be a pretty short episode. Spurscast listeners, we're just going to go through um like like I mentioned here in the, in the opening notes here, uh, just the latest rumors about um Becky Hammond and Brett Barry being considered for head coaching positions, and then um and then we'll also do a little bit of deep dive into one of the free agency targets for the Spurs uh, reportedly who. 
who's uh, Kelly O'Brien Jr. Let's go to begin, Mike, with the free, with the head coaching roundup and, and what's going on with Becky Hammond and uh, Brent Berry. So according to Sham Sharania of The Athletic, uh, Becky Hammond uh, is going to interview for the head coaching position for the for both the Portland Trailblazers and the Orlando Magic. So she's getting two uh, interviews that we that we publicly know about. Um, she's also there's also been a billboard by a, a nutrition supplement company uh, uh, asking the Boston Celtics to hire either Becky Hammond or Kara Lawson for as their new head coach because you know Boston needs a head coach as well now that Brad Stevens has, has moved up in the organization to the front office. Um, you know, background on Hammond, she's she's been with the Spurs now for seven seasons. She just finished her seventh season as an assistant coach. Uh, and you know, in past off seasons when there's been availability, she's actually been you know interviewed for different for different head coaching jobs as well. But she you know she's never quite uh, got that job just yet. Uh, and then also Brent Barry, who's the Spurs' um, vice president of basketball operations, uh, he, he's, he's been with the Spurs for now three years, and he's actually going to get an interview for the uh, Portland job, according to Shams. Um, and just, you know, as you and I, as you and I note, Mike, um, you know, earlier to start this episode right now, there's actually six head coaching vacancies in the NBA as of Wednesday. Um, you know, the Celtics are available. The Washington Wizards uh, ha- have departed with Scott Brooks. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans just surprisingly um, let Stan, Stan Van Gundy go. Uh, we mentioned the, the Trailblazers, the, the Magic, and then also um, Indiana is also has a vacancy as well. So there's six jobs right now open. Um, what are your thoughts on, on, on Becky Hammond and then also Brent Berry? Well, I mean. It's kind of one of those things where it, it's going to, and it, I think it's going to end up coming down to this, where it's going to come down to time, like how much longer do you expect Becky uh, to wait, you know, for that head coach mm-hmm. job? I mean, obviously everybody would love for her to take over for Pop whenever he was done, but, you know, nobody knows how much time is left there. And so Becky's definitely deserving. She's proved herself, you know, for the last, you know, several years. And she's, you know, been a head coach when, uh, you know, Pop's been out of games and been head coach at, at summer league. And so it's time for her to kind of take that next step. And so unfortunately, I mean, this could be the summer that happens. I see her as uh, I think she'd be a great fit in, um, in Portland. I think it'd be a little harder going to a team like Orlando where, uh, you know, they've got a lot of work to do uh, front office and, you know, with that roster, they're basically building again. Uh, the Boston thing is interesting. Although I, I can see Lawson getting that over her because she was an assistant with Boston before mm-hmm. she took over at Duke. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of like one of those things where it's time. And I think I've kind of gotten the feeling from, like, uh, Spurs fans over Twitter and stuff that they're just, like, they'd love for her to take over. But, you know, at some point it's, like, how many opportunities do you do you pass up, you know, in order to take the the position? So it, it's definitely rough. I mean, Brett Barry, um, you know, I never, you know, saw him – as being interested in coaching, he seemed like he was, you know, perfect for that front office job. So that's kind of interesting to me. So, you know, we'll see what happens. It seems like, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, no surprise that uh, other teams continue to, to recruit from you know, the Spurs and their coaching staff and their um, front office and even the, the, the G League uh, mm-hmm. front offices and staff. So I guess I'm not too surprised about that. Yeah, I would just say, you know, on my input, you pretty much, you know, you know, you answered those questions well right there for give a lot of details and, and information. Uh, just from my perspective, it would just be like just looking at the two, um, you know, reported teams, which are Portland and, and Orlando. You just see a diff- different kind of uh, mix of two different teams here where like Portland's more competitive. You know, they're trying to to, um, you know, keep a they're trying to build a contender on Dame before, you know, before he, he event, you know, I know he wants to finish his career in Portland. But of course, if they can't put a winning group that's going to compete for a title, you know, maybe he might explore his options elsewhere in the future. And so that's kind of they're, they're kind of there's, there's almost 
like some pressure there for Portland. Uh, and then for Orlando, it's a little bit different, whereas, whereas um, you know, they have more of a younger team who's kind of developing. They're kind of hitting the restart button with them. So I think that there's two different uh, opportunities here for Becky, uh, you know, uh, if she were to get either one of those jobs or, um, you know, in, in those kind of places uh, with those teams. And then also, you know, even though we haven't heard any any, any news, if, if um, these other teams are going are gonna, to um, interview her, there's just different opportunities as well with so many different vacancies. So, again, we'll kind of see what happens. And, and you're right, Mike. You know, she's kind of she can't wait forever. She has to, you know, she has to take any opportunity that comes right now, uh, her, uh, you know, to see if if uh, if she can get hired for one of these head coaching positions. So she's, she's taking these interviews uh, as we see. And then, of course, it's, it's interesting to see Brent Berry's name in there as well, because, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been a coach. But, you know, uh, maybe maybe they're looking to go from, from uh, looking at him from, from, as an executive now moving him into into the coaching ranks and seeing uh what happens there so yeah so, so that's kind of some uh, some some news and again I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see becky's hammond get linked to some of these other teams you know for interviews so so just kind of keep an eye uh, on different reports and rumors uh of, of these head coaching vacancies all right so let's move on to our se- se- second topic of this episode and this is the um it's not too surprising but you know um it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of like disappointing. Um, it's, it's it's none of the Spurs players being cons- uh, making the all defensive teams. This is really tough to do, and we know that you know on paper the Spurs didn't. Ha- you know, even though they they had a good team defensively for the majority of the season, the way they ended their year really really um hurt them in terms of their overall ranking, where they where they basically finished fifteenth uh, league average uh, defensively. And so two of the players that that um you know I was kind of keeping an eye on were, were Dejounte Murray and Jakob Pertle, just because we know those were pretty much the Spurs' top two defensive players this past season. So Murray did get some votes here. Um, he did finish eleven among all the guards uh, he got one first team vote and three second team votes um, and and as soon as the results were released uh, Murray actually tweeted um, these laughing emoji these laughing emojis like in a row so obviously you can tell you can, you can infer that, that that's how he felt he was not happy about uh, those um, you know those results uh, the four players that were picked as, as the first and second team all defenders are Ben Simmons uh, Drew Holiday Jimmy Butler and Maurice Tybel. Um yeah, so so those are the players, and then as far as Jakob Pertl, um, he didn't get any votes at all for the center position. But something Jeff McDonald, the Express News, um, um, did mention uh, was that um, you know the, as far as centers go, they were only allowed to provide two results for their votes. I mean, t- two two players, and so the two players that were selected were uh, Rudy Gobert and Joel Embiid. They, they were selected, and then Clint Capella and uh, Nerlens Noel got, got some other votes. But again, Jakob got no votes. Dejounte finished eleventh amongst guards. What are your what are your thoughts on um, on, on none of the Spurs players? Um, making the all-defensive teams despite the team getting a little bit better this year. Yeah, I mean, all the players you named are, are solid defensive players for sure, but mm-hmm. DeJounte, I mean, it seems like what he was like what, two or three years removed from uh, getting onto the all-defensive team, and it seems yeah, like... Yeah, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's... I mean, he's had more defensive rebounds this year. Uh, it's like a career high. I mean, obviously, he's not going to get a ton of blocks, especially the way that uh, Spurs funnel... Uh, some of the quicker guards into the center and things like that, but you know he's, he's there, r- right up there, on average with the steals uh, that he's had in previous years, and it just seems like he's one of those players where he he made big defensive plays when they counted and and when they needed him to. Um, I, I can remember a handful of times where he was able to pick up a steal late in the game. So, uh, but I mean it, it becomes hard, and then I also you kind of wonder about uh, what other factors kind of go into this. Do they look look at team success overall? Um, you know, does that factor into it because the Spurs didn't make it to the playoffs? Um, Jakob, I thought, had a, a pretty solid year. And if you look at him head to head of somebody that did get uh, votes like Nolan Noel, I mean, I felt like Jakob, uh, I think he, he, I think Noel had a few more blocks than him, but um, not by much. But uh, I mean, I think DeJounte out rebounded Nolan uh, Noel. So that, that one kind of surprised me just a little bit, um, you know, because he, 
you know, he got 2.2 blocks, but that's pretty much the, the best part of, like, his averages for this year, and he did go to New York, I think, was that, but, but yeah, so I was surprised that, that uh, DeJounte didn't get a few more votes, and that, and Jakob not getting any, I, I, I don't know, I just kind of wonder, like, how much goes into that, like, does them not being on national TV uh, at all yeah. during the regular season have any playing into that, like, people aren't seeing what he does on a nightly basis because it seems like he was turning away shots every night, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of times he had to bail out some of the um, perimeter defenders. So uh, a little surprising, but it's like you say, you, you go and look at the, the players that were selected and, you know, can you make uh, a case for removing one of them and putting on these other guys? And it's, it, it might be kind of hard. Yeah, I think you just brought up an excellent point, and I, I just really quickly, as you were speaking, I went back and did some research real quick, and you were right. I mean, when he made the team two years ago, DeJounte was 2017-18, the all-defensive second team. The reason why, I think, I think again, I think, the, I think his own team kind of hurt his standing here, him and Yaka, because he he actually made it that year, and they were fourth defensively, according to Cleaning the Glass. Mm. So so I think a big part of it is the fact that, you know, the Spurs, like, like I said, they weren't a top-10 def- defense this year, not even top-5, uh, and so they ended up being, a, you know, and so because when you just look on paper and they're like, oh, they were league-average defense, well, then I think that that hurts uh, the players standing, and maybe that's how the voters uh, um, looked. Maybe they, they they put a lot of the, the team basis in terms of wh- where you are defensively. And then yeah, you're right. I, I really feel like maybe like just like uh, Jakob, you know, his name's not out there as far as being a really good defensive player. Because like you said, you know, when you look at advanced metrics and things, I mean, he's right there with a lot of the top centers defensively. He's really good in, in what in what he did this year. And again, uh, but but like kind of like what what, um, what what Jeff McDonald had had, had uh, written is that um you know they, they weren't allowed that many slots for the center position, so it was a little bit more, uh, more difficult uh, uh, to cast a vote for a center. Uh, as opposed to the guards uh, for that spending. So, again, you know, the Spurs didn't get a, an all-defensive player this year. Um, again, maybe if, they, if they're better next year and, and their whole team is better defensively, well, then maybe they have a better chance. But, again, we'll, have to, we'll just kind of have to wait and see. And so, you know, I, I, did, I do agree. You know, I mean, I, I guess, uh, yeah, that's why, that's why DeJounte tweeted that when, when those uh, results came out. All right, Mike, let's move on to our last topic of this of this episode, and that's um, just some free agent rumors. Um, this, this latest one is over um, unrestricted free agent Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, according to Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo Sports, um, he, he, he reported recently that the Spurs, the Miami Heat, and the New York Knicks are all going to have interest in Kelly Oubre Jr., who is an unrestricted free agent when free agency begins on August 2nd. Uh, just some, some uh, Before we go into the finances, let's just talk about Oubre as a player. Um, he's a 6'7", um, unrestricted free agent, like I've talked about, you know, 3, 3 and D kind of player. Uh, he's balanced in shooting threes um, and attacking the basket so you know normally you just think of him as a three-point shooter but he actually attacks the basket very very well for his position he's a very inconsistent shooter though as far as making threes he's, he's very inconsistent there um though he does put up a lot so he has a lot of um threes so he, he has a good volume from the three-point line um, he does shoot the three, the wide open three well, thirty eight percent last season with the Warriors. Uh, he's also good on the offensive glass. So he's giving you extra possessions, and he's good at drawing fouls. So again, he, he's a player who takes it to the basket uh, uh, for you. On defense, um, you know he has really good metrics here. A uh, good defensive rebounder, and he's good at blocking shots for his position. Um, plus, getting getting steals. He was second on the Warriors in deflections, fifth in contested shots, and also fourth best on the Warriors in def- defensive field goal percentage. So when you just look at the Warriors roster this year, Kelly Oubre was there at the top in most of their a lot of their defensive metrics. Um, so, so just before we go into the financial part of this, um, what are your, just some of your thoughts on him as a player? Uh, I, I've always been a fan of, of his game, even when he was in Washington, and he seemed to really do a lot better once he landed in Phoenix and, and put up some good numbers there for two years, and then landed with Oakland, and um, obviously his minutes took a little hit, so his numbers did as well, but I mean, he was obviously a capable, uh, you know, shooter, especially from the field. I like his defense. Um it's you know I, I looked at the, the same thing and his threes and his you know his percentage wasn't great but he does take 
more, and maybe he'd be more of a threat than some of the guys who have now. Um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, how they play this because, um, you know, so so if Demar Rosen was to sign somewhere else, is it somewhere, some place where he put uh, Kelly Ray in, at that four spot, or maybe have him and, and Keldon uh, switch up or one three and one four, you know. That'd be interesting to see. Uh, seems that Keldon's growing more and more. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, I mean, it, it's definitely interesting. I, I, I feel like I, I, I don't know. Aside from that, as far as fit, it seems like to me, I, I would think that he'd probably go for something like Miami or New York, just because of those markets. Now that he's kind of have mm-hmm. has a choice in the matter, and he has he's not being traded or anything like that. So, um, yeah. we'll see. But I mean, he's definitely got a lot of talent. I mean, he's he can still take another step. It seems like he, he took. Uh, you know, a good step about two years ago in, in his career where he was uh, more potential than anything, and he actually solidified that a little bit more. So, you know, we'll see if he can grow even more. Yeah, so so now let's jump into the to the financial part of this. And I, I agree with you. I think that the only way the Spurs would actually look at, you know, at, at signing him is if De, DeRozan was pretty much gone. I think that if DeRozan comes back to San Antonio, then I don't think they, that they would be as aggressive and, and looking to add Kelly Oubre Jr. Um, so let's look at the, the financial aspects of this. So first of all, for the Spurs and Knicks, they're going to have plenty of cap space. You know, they're going to have over $50 million in cap space each as long as they don't bring back their own free agents. So, so they're fine. Whereas Miami has, a, has a t- some tough choices. You know, if they were to – they can open up about $20, $23, 25000000 million in cap space, yes, but – they're going to lose a lot of key role players that they have on their team. Andre Iguodala we're talking about here. We're talking about maybe the restricted free agents, Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, there's there's another player on, on Miami that, oh, Goran Dragic might have to be let go, you know. So, again, so for Miami, there's there's like more so of, of there's a huge choice here in terms of their decision-making to, to open up cast base to try to um, uh, sign Oubre Jr. So, so again, I think that this might even come down to Spurs and Knicks uh, just because of just because of the, the, how easily they can open up their cap space. Now, let's first let's talk about some contract projections. So we were uh, we were lucky to um, you know we've been uh, talking to Profit X, which is this new company I'm about to to talk about uh, to get some some ca- some um, contract projections for Ubre Jr. And according to Profit X, they gave us some, some exclusive numbers here at Project Spurs. They told us that. Um, Kelly Oubre's pro- uh, contract projection for this upcoming offseason is $13.8 million at the lowest to about $17.8 million at the highest. So their suggested value to try to sign him uh, would be at about $15.8 million. So again, $15.8 million is what it's looking like uh, in this market to try to sign Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, I just want to give some background on ProfitX. They are launching officially publicly on June 20th. Um, so ProfitX is a dynamic financial and performance index powered by artificial intelligence with front office optics displaying 17 visual and time series models for 480 plus NBA athletes. The Athledex um, models historical, dynamic, and future performance data to monitor and project insights on contracts, performance, injuries, team fit, development, and potential. Uh, you can follow them um, on Twitter at, at ProfitXAI, and they're also on Instagram as well. So again, check out ProfitX. They're going to be launching here on, on June 20th. And um, you know, the, the cool thing about this website is, and, and it's, this, this app basically, is that they're going to be giving you, um, you know, just basically um, projections of contracts. So, so Mike, now that we actually have some numbers here, um, you know, 15.8 million uh, for Kelly Oubre Jr. is what we're looking at here. What, what do you think about that? If the Spurs uh, try to go after him? Yeah, I mean, that seems to fit kind of in the area, maybe on the low end of like a Rudy Gay or Patty Mills type uh, salary numbers for last year. So, you know, mm-hmm. and that they'd have some flexibility with, you know, one of either those two or DeMar. I mean, it, it seems like I think 15 for where he's at. And then seeing that he's still very young, he's, I think he's 25 years mm-hmm. old, which means he's still, you know, he's not probably not in his prime yet. I think that's a... Uh, that's probably a fair market value for him. And so if, if uh, they are able to, you know, save some money and, and have the room for him, that definitely makes it a little more interesting. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I, I feel like if they if they were to you know give a, a contract in that amount, uh, the Spurs well then they still have enough to um you know try to make that those that pitch toward one of those restricted free agents you know because I, I really feel like they're I, tell me if you agree with this do you feel like their game plan is to try to target one of those young um, bigs um, somebody like a John Collins a, a Laurie Markkinen or a Jared Allen because they're all restricted free agents so if you give them an offer sheet either of those players they're going to tie up your your cap for about forty eight hours. Um, so I, I really feel the game plan is to give one of those players, um, you know, a, a, an offer sheet and then still have so, some money. Basically, they still have that 60 million if they need it for Uber Jr. to make a pitch at an understricted free agent. Would you think that that, that might be how they, how they might be kind of game planning this offseason? Yeah, it seems like uh, adding that front court depth is, is probably a priority. So mm-hmm. they want to get that. They're probably going to want to get that one done and solidified first. And then they can move on to, you know, on a wing a little bit more. But, yeah, so I, I can see them going after, you know, some of those guys that like you named and that they've been kind of mentioned all year long and, mm-hmm. and Collins and Allen and um uh so so you know we can we can definitely see that I know uh s- s- there's been some some talks and writing about uh, Duncan Robinson as well but he's, he's restricted just like Collins is so um yeah. that number may be a little may, may could get crazy if, if uh you're getting into bidding war so um we'll see but yeah that's definitely seems like that's the priority first yeah, so so again, you know, just wrapping up this part on on Obrey Jr. I, again, we we basically we basically agree that like you know if DeRozan walks, then that's probably a good chance that the Spurs will be a little bit more aggressive in trying to sign him. Um, I, you know, again, if DeRozan resigns, but well, then I don't know if the Spurs would, would be you know even though yes, he's a good three D player, I, just because of the minutes at, at, there on out on the out on the wing and in the rotation, I don't know if if, if Ubre Jr. wanted to sign with San Antonio and if San Antonio uh, would go after him. So uh, before we close this episode, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Um, you know, Benjamin Bornstein's getting you ready for the draft with his um, prospect watches. The latest one is over Trey Murphy. Um, you know, you can check out the, where, where Trey Murphy is expected to go in the draft on our draft prospects board. That's also on, on Project Spurs. Over on our other side, analyzing the league, we have our 2021 free agent database that I've been working on. And, you know, there's just all sorts of different information about all the free agents right now. Uh, there's cap hold information. There's height. Um, you know, their players are listed by height, should I say. There's there's a new me- – not really a new metric, but there's just a little metric I call it stops where I just put their defensive rebounds, steals, and blocks all together. Uh, and, and I rank the players. Um, I, I have three-point attempts for last season. I have career three-point percentage up there. And then I also have win share. So, again, all these, all this information is there on analyzing the lead.com regarding um, the the uh, free agents uh, for this upcoming group of 2021. Also, I've been doing some um, some scouting reports on, on different free agents. Um, you know, these are mainly even though it's even though it's general NBA analyzing the league, it's just mainly Spurs targets that I, that I just want to go um, deep, to just do some deep dives on information. So Kelly Oubre Jr. is up there. Uh, I've written about Jared Allen, Laurie Markkinen, Doug McDermott, and also John Collins. So again, check out analyzing the league.com over um, part of the Project Spurs network. So thanks again to Mike for, for joining me here on the Spurs Cast and for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at Project Spurs. Stay safe and have a great day. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.